What is up everybody? My name is Emily Jane Saroff, but you can call me Em. I am obsessed with all things spirituality, business, and personal growth. I started the Empower With Em podcast at 21 years old, whilst I was studying my Masters of Architecture at uni. It is fair to say that this podcast catapulted my life in a direction I never imagined possible. Soon after starting this podcast, I dropped out of my degree, quit my nine to five and started my own business and in just eight months of starting, became a six-figure CEO. Inside of this podcast, I share insights into the realities of being a 20-something-year-old CEO along with actionable tips to help you unlock your true potential and create a soul-aligned and impactful life and business. So pull up a seat, put on your headset, and get ready to get empowered. Before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick message for you. If you're an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur who is wanting to build a business in the online space that is in total alignment with your spirituality, physicality, energetics, and financial goals, then I want to connect with you. If you head to the episode description of this podcast and click the work with me form, you can schedule a complimentary call with myself to have a chat and start mapping out your next steps to create the business and lifestyle of your dreams. So stop waiting and start doing. Let's get to know each other and start turning your dreams into your reality business. If you're not yet ready to jump on a call either, then what I do is invite you to shoot me a message over on Instagram at EmpowerWithM so we can get to know each other a little better over there. That's all from me, so make sure you fill out that work with me form or shoot me a message and then dive deep into today's episode. Welcome back to another guest episode on the Empower With Them podcast. I am so excited to introduce today's guest to you guys because her story is pretty damn inspiring and I am so glad that I came across her. So today's guest is a mum of four, a Gold Coast gal just like myself, and also a serial entrepreneur. She currently owns Supple Skin Co. and is teaching others how to start their own businesses through her course, Abracadabra, You're a Boss. I came across today's guest via a viral TikTok video that shared the insane amount of growth that she was able to make, $750,000 in the first six months of starting her Supple Skin Co. business. So guys, today's guest is truly incredible and I'm so excited to introduce Candy Kemp to you guys today. Welcome, Candy. Hello, thank you so much for having me. My very first podcast that I'm that I'm on, so a little bit nervous, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm so excited taking <laughs> your podcasting virginity. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fun and uh, games over here. We just have a laid back conversation and I know my audience is going to absolutely love you, love learning about your story and everything that you've got going on in your world. So why don't you take it away and share a little bit more about yourself? Um, obviously, I shared your bio, but what else would you like your our listeners to know about you? Yeah, sure. Um, So yeah, like you said, I'm a mum of four. My youngest is two and my oldest is 23. So that is a lot of time. Yeah. (laughs) And then I've got the two in between. Yeah. So I was only 16 when I had my first daughter. Um, Very young. Didn't know until I was four months pregnant. So I was really thrown in the deep end there. (laughs) Um, But it was amazing. I think I think she came at the right time because I was sort of heading down the wrong path in life. A little bit rebellious. And I, I really didn't have a lot of um, family support or structure growing up. Mm. I basically had to raise myself and my brother uh, from when I was quite young, about eight years old. I did have a mother, but mm. she just worked a lot because my, my father had passed away. She had to obviously work a lot, a lot more. So she worked two jobs to try and make ends meet. And mm. um, yeah, so I think I was very independent from such a young age. And I think it made me quite resilient. <laughs> Yeah. So as I went through life, nothing was too hard, nothing was too scary, and I I don't think I've been afraid to take risks. I think that probably played a huge part in it, how I grew up as a child. So, yeah, I think I've tried to do businesses with a lot of friends in the past, and they have that, that caution, that fear factor that we're probably supposed to have <laughs> that I don't really have. So I tend to just jump into things headfirst 
and then just work it out later. Um, and yeah, I've gone a bit crazy over the years and I've started 10 different businesses. Wow. <laughs> a lot of businesses. Some of them, like you mentioned, have been amazing multi-million dollar success stories. And then I've had ones that haven't worked either. And that's all just part of the learning, but it doesn't stop me. I, I find that that just makes me want to get up and keep going. Yes. Oh, it's incredible to hear about what you've been able to create. And I love how um, you were able to push yourself to step into all of these business opportunities and get really resourceful and creative um, with what you wanted to create for your life rather than allowing whatever circumstances you did face hold you back, which I know is something that a lot of people can sometimes do. Um, But obviously, you know, you're someone who's super relatable you don't have any degrees and you didn't finish high school. So how did you guide yourself into the entrepreneurial space and actually get resourceful enough to create the success that you created? It's it's funny, you know, because when I started my very first business, my very first one actually was not in the e-commerce world. So I was a makeup artist and I was a Um, a trainer at Napoleon Academy and that was like I always thought that's my dream job and then I wanted to have a little makeup studio space I couldn't afford to have a studio space so I approached a hair salon on the street that I wanted to be on and they were a really busy bustling salon and I asked if I could just rent this tiny little corner in the front of their shop and they agreed to that and I set up all of the Napoleon makeup and did my all my all my makeup and formal work from there and then she was selling the salon and I was devastated because I was like, no, this is the best location and she's selling it so cheap. It was on Oxford Street, Bulimba, which at the time was just going off. It was like the hub of Brisbane. And I remember she was selling it so cheap and I thought, I have to buy this. And I didn't have the money to buy it, but I approached different people, different family members and the banks and pulled the money together and bought this salon. And it was from there that I realised I had to then go and try and employ hairdressers. I don't know anything about hairdressing. (laughs) But I remember even then thinking, oh, if she's too busy, I can get on and apply this hair dye and I would get on and (laughs) get my hands dirty. So I was was never too scared to try things. Um, But, yeah, it was from there. I received a letter in the mail about stores online Mm -hmm. and it didn't really exist then. Online stores weren't really a thing and it was an American company. They were coming to Australia teaching you how to have an online store and I thought I'll go along and see what this is about. And this is what I mean. I took a friend with me and at the end of the seminar, I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try it. And I said, do you want to do it? Would be business partner. She said, oh, no, I'm too scared. It was only going to be maybe a couple of hundred dollars each investment, which I didn't have. I, was, I had no money. I was literally, I'd put everything into the salon. The salon wasn't really going how I wanted it to. It wasn't losing money, but it wasn't making me a lot of money. Hmm. So I didn't have money and I, I already had two children at this point. Um. So, yeah, I just remember at the end thinking, I'm going to try this. And she didn't want to. I said, that's all right. I'll try it myself. And I went on their payment plan. I started my first online store, which was wedding dresses. <laughs> I had enough. I had no idea what yeah. the wedding industry was about. I was like, okay, I'll try this. You could pick whatever you wanted. Um, so I just jumped on Alibaba and I found wedding dresses and thought, okay, these are kind of nice and they're they're cheap and I can sell them for $500. Um and that business, that was my first entry into an online store. And I just used their template, which was pretty crappy now looking back. And I used photos from the manufacturer in China of the wedding dresses. I set up this website where it was basically my selling point was you can get a wedding dress custom made to your measurements for $550. And you'd receive it in three weeks, boxed up, made to, made yeah. to measure. So that was my that was my my whole spiel, and all I did was I put an ad on a bridal forum, and that was it. And I received on average about four four to five orders a week, which is a couple yeah. of thousand dollars, which is pretty good. Keep in mind, I didn't have to spend a cent because they would pay me. I would then pay the manufacturer, so I spent mm-hmm. no money on starting this business apart from the website which was a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah. And some weeks, I think my best week, I think I ordered, I received about 10 orders that week. Yeah. And this is me at home, stay at home mum. I don't have to do any manual work. I, I email them the measurement instructions. I get the dress from China. I box it up when it arrives and send it off and that's it. So it was a pretty good, yeah. I think I was pretty lucky my first business. <laughs> um, 
so more of them, they went on from there. There's so many that went on and on and on and I could go on about all of them. But my next one was quite similar. I didn't spend a single cent. I received 300 orders on the first night that I started that business. Wow. And I only came up with the idea that morning. So it was just crazy. But yeah, they so they were both, that was a children's clothing label. The other one was yeah. a wedding dress. And I just learned as I, as I went, really. I knew nothing about the back end. So my accounting mm. and my bookkeeping practices were pretty poor. And it took me a long time. To be honest, I've only just really gotten on top of that. <laughs> Probably the last couple of years since Supple. I've been pretty bad with it yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just learned as I went. And I didn't really have any mentors. I just would jump on here, jump on the computer google whatever I could stay up at night as you do as a mum single yeah. as a mother so, you know your children are sleeping you work at night and that's what I did yeah wow I absolutely love that and I think the biggest um takeaway that I got from that that I hope lands for our listeners as well is that you didn't allow not having money to become a limit for you you um didn't look at that as like a reason why you couldn't succeed or why you couldn't start any of these businesses instead you actually found solutions to this and if that solution was creating a business that didn't require you to invest into anything well that's what you ended up doing so that's so awesome (laughs) to hear like good on you and um you mentioned as well you had 300 orders on your first day of launching that second business was it yes I did. How? <laughs> How did you get that <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's actually such a long story, but to yeah. keep it brief, um, oh, you can go it long. Was, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. I was very lucky. The same manufacturer asked me if I was interested in these children's petty skirts, and I had a look at them. I thought, oh, it's not really my style. Just think, you know, it's like a tutu, fluffy sort of thing. Yeah. It's not really how I dressed my daughters. I wasn't really too interested in it, but. I had a look and I had a bit of a Google and saw that they were just blowing up in America. Uh, they were blowing up in America. There was a brand over there and she was on the mm-hmm. Ellen show or the Oprah show. I can't remember which one. She had children wearing her skirts on the red carpet yeah. for award ceremonies. And so when I was Googling, I saw that photographers in Australia were going nuts ordering these skirts overseas and they were paying $150 US for them. And they were putting all these group orders together. And I could buy these skirts. I had a look at the quality. I got the manufacturer to send me videos. I wanted to make sure they were really good quality. And I could get them for $9, between $9 and $13. And I thought if I can sell them here, I decided just out of yeah. whipped it out of the air, I'm going to sell them for $80. And I thought that's a pretty good markup. <laughs> if I can sell them here yeah. for $80 Australian dollars, I can tap into that market of photographers. Mm-hmm. And so I just opened a Facebook page immediately and I used the photos that she sent me. I added these photos. I put up my little spiel. I called it Princess Ratbag after my two daughters because I have one of each. I I put up the photos on Facebook and <laughs> I created the spiel about how I was selling these whimsical keepsake pieces for children, amazing for photography and events and general styling. And I sent this Facebook page to every photographer I could find on Google and I said to them, I'm going to do an intro offer of 50 mm. Australian dollars for the first, I think it was the first 50 people that ordered or something like that. I can't remember. Or it might have even just been the first two weeks because that was my pre-order period. $50 special, but I would give a petty skirt free to the first five or 10 photographers that contacted me in return for a photo that I can use myself. So they jumped on their forums and started talking about there's someone here in Australia doing it now. And the orders started coming through and they were putting in bulk orders themselves. And remember, I came up with the idea this morning. I started the Facebook page that morning. And I remember that night, it was a couple of days before Christmas and I was driving down to Byron Bay for Christmas. And I remember having a look and tallying them up and sending it to my manufacturer. And she just went, holy hell, what the hell? You weren't interested now. You've got 300 orders. So I had 300 pediscope orders from this group of photographers. And then... Once they received the skirts, I had the most beautiful images that I could use to market my brand that I received for free. So I did not spend one single cent before making $18,000. Oh, my goodness. And 
I like it all. I just think this is awesome. I just think you're so incredibly resourceful and the way that you like take such fast action as well is so inspiring because so many people, like, as you said, you had the idea that morning, you took action on it, like you did your research, you took action. And then by the end of that day, bam, you've got like 300 orders lined up. So many people would sit on that too long. And generally, like the more they sit on it, the um, more they don't take action or they more the further away they move away from that idea in itself. So is there anything that you'd want to share with our listeners about um, taking fast action and how to have the courage to do so as well? Yeah, absolutely. That's really good question because the course that I'm doing that you mentioned at the beginning, we're in our second week of it at the moment. And this is where I'm teaching girls how to start their own business and they can have zero experience. They don't even have to have an idea. I help them come up and brainstorm ideas. And that question comes up a lot. How do we know when it's time to launch? And I've always believed if you wait too long, you're just allowing that you're allowing the fear factor to creep in and the self-doubt and I mean I have self-doubt too if I wait too long I'll spend two weeks which doesn't sound doesn't sound very long (laughs) but for me two weeks is a long time so if I spend two weeks working on this the night before launch I'm going this is the most stupid idea what am I thinking yeah but then I launch I do it anyway and then I launch and it goes crazy so (coughs) I definitely think You have to, of course, be smart and plan it out and validate your idea. But if you look at that story that I just talked about, I had nothing to lose. I had absolutely nothing to lose. I didn't have money that was invested in it. I hadn't spent a whole lot of time working on it. So I literally had nothing to lose by doing that. Although that, to to be honest, that thought never even came into my head. (laughs) Um, I just think as long as you have amazing branding you know, as far as, the, as far as the question, how do you know when it's time to launch? Mm-hmm. I think you have to have amazing branding and that's not a logo and a name. It is the whole brand story. Mm-hmm. That's your brand personality. I think you need to have amazing branding. I think your product has to do what it intends to do. And it doesn't have to be the perfect product. You can reiterate that many times, which I've done, mm-hmm. but it has to do what you intend it to do and solve a problem mm-hmm. or be something special, or it's got to touch them in some emotional way. And I think having I think a great unboxing experience in this day and age is necessary because they want to feel special when they receive that product so amazing branding product that does what you intend it to do and something special that they're going to feel when they receive and then just go just go for it have some KPIs in mind and set some goals so that you know what to revisit and make sure that you're keeping track of it Mm. and I have like a very comprehensive to-do list in my course where where they could, where it's quite safe anyway. It's yeah. got checklists where they can go through everything, including all the legal stuff. But yeah, I just think you have to put that thought aside. And I've always, my way of thinking is, okay, if you do lose money, to me, I've I've gained money, I've lost money. Mm-hmm. Money means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like if nobody is getting hurt, if you're not hurting anyone, and if you're not, if no one's dying, mm-hmm. just go for it. You can always make money back. You you can't. But you can't get that chance if you don't take that chance. Yeah. So I think you just need to put the fear aside. Remind yourself everyone has that self-doubt and that fear factor and that's okay, that's normal. Mm. But don't let it stop you from pursuing something that could turn out to be absolutely amazing. Mm. There's so many little directions I want to branch off with this now. (laughs) I love that you mentioned that you said specifically that money means nothing to you in the sense of like, you know, you're willing to risk it in order to pursue these ideas that you create. And something that I really do recognize in a lot of the most successful business owners in this world is that they are willing to risk money. And a lot of the time, many of these people have lost a lot of money as well. I mean, I had a guest on the podcast um, previously and he's making $100,000 a week at the moment, but he also lost multiple millions of dollars in his journey to getting there. And um, he's not even the only one who's shared those sorts of stories about taking great financial risks, losing the money, but then being able to make it back because at the end of the day, they're not going to hold themselves back from pursuing this business venture purely because they're scared of losing what they have right now. So I love love that that you mentioned that. 
the other things that I'd like to have a little bit of a discussion around is you mentioned specifically um, the unboxing is something that is really important and really important for you with your brand as well. And I think that that is a whole aspect of branding in itself because that unboxing is creating that feeling and branding is all about that feeling that you do want to create for your clients. So I'd love to tap a little bit more into that, you know, and have a bit of a chat around um, what you focus on when you are, I guess, designing your brand vision. Yeah, I can give you the perfect example of why why this stuff's important as well, because with my own brand, Supple Skin Co., Mm. In the early days, like for a while there, I've taken my finger off the pulse because so much else is going on and I had my baby and COVID happened and I just became distracted in so many other areas. And so I'm currently working on a rebrand for Supple, which I'm, I want to roll out at the end of this year, but it's not going as fast as I do. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to wait on other people. But I'm, I'm rebranding Supple and I'm creating a brand new unboxing experience because I did forget how important that is along the way. Mm. And then so Supple, like you said at the beginning, it was making so much money and I had my baby. I wasn't posting on social media. I wasn't giving it any attention. And that was probably for a period of two to three months. All I cared about was my baby. This is my last child. I wanted to give him all of my time and attention. And I don't regret that for a second, but it definitely reflected in the dollars and in the engagement with my social media. It's very hard to come back from that when you've taken your eye off it for that long and we're still not back, but that's okay because I know I've got a plan in place. I know where I'm headed and I can see and I can feel it that it's going to be better than it's ever been. I'm really excited about that. Um, But yeah, so I took my eye off that, which to me has always been so important, the unboxing experience. And I know that it's not as exciting. No one wants to take a photo of something and share it on social media when it's just in a a cheap little satchel. That's not exciting. They'll wait till it's open and then maybe they'll share it. Whereas, you know, when you receive a beautiful package and it's in a really special box, you, most people will grab their camera out and they'll film it and they'll share it. So that's free marketing. That's so important to do that. When I had my petty skirt business, the princess wrap bag petty skirt, they're spending $80, so it's quite a premium product. And I spent $2 getting these lollipops made. And they were big ones. They're about this big on a stick. Um, so they were big and they had the swirly colours and they were, they matched the petty skirt colours. Mm. So I had a local confectionist. I don't know what they're called, confectionist. <laughs> I had a local lady. She had her own small business and she custom made them for me in my petty skirt colours of the season. Mm. And I would send this $2 lollipop in. So it would be in a box. It would have the tissue paper and the lollipop. And imagine a little girl when she receives that. That's so special to her. So anytime I would bring out a new collection, a new skirt, their mum would get one for them every single time almost because it was really special. So I think it doesn't have to be anything major, but if you're providing something for nothing, Mm. you're making them feel like you're building up that loyalty because everyone loves to receive something for free. Yeah. Everyone loves to receive something they haven't paid for and it shows that you care about them as well. Mm. So yeah, it doesn't have to be anything major, but I think just making them feel special when they receive it, even, even down to your card or your note that you leave them. I used to handwrite every note, which I could not possibly do now. <laughs> I would be just writing all day, but I used to handwrite every note and every time they would say, I loved receiving that. Yeah. Note. So if you can do it, I think it's worthwhile if you have the time to do it. I think those little touches really matter. Oh, completely. And that separates you from the rest of the crowd as well. It shows that extra thought and that care that you really do put into the experience that you want to create for your clients, even if that experience is um, product rather than service-based. But I think this same gift idea can be applied to service-based businesses like coaches and consultants and mentors within this space as well. So I think that that is so great that you were able to share with that one, that one with us today. Um, I do want to, in today's episode, have a deep dive into Supple Sim. Oh gosh, I cannot speak today. Supple <laughs> Skin Co. But before we do that, there was one more point I wanted to touch on from everything that you've been sharing already. It sounds like you're a bit of a master when it comes to marketing and knowing who your ideal client is, because with each of these businesses you've started, like you said at the start, you, um, when you were doing the wedding dresses, right? Like you knew that there was a gap in the market and you feel that you created this, um, tailored to fit product 
at a fraction of the price that everywhere else was selling that. And then again, the same with these skirts, you found that gap in the market and you delivered to it and you spoke directly to your ideal client through your marketing. So what are some important, um, I guess, pillars or considerations that you do go through when you are figuring out that ideal client and um, learning how to directly market to them? Yeah, sure. Um, So I definitely believe that is the most important thing when you're starting your brand is you need to create, I guess, a customer profile. Who are you talking to? Because that's going to determine so many factors around how you create your brand. Um, So you're right with the petty skirts. I wanted to appeal to the little girls, but also to the mothers. They're the ones buying it. But I know that with my children, when I see the look on their face when they're so excited for something and my little boy never wants to take off his Spider-Man outfits and I am neutral, I love to keep it neutral. So when he was, when I was three weeks from giving birth to him, I started an online baby store selling all neutral goods because I felt like there was a gap in the market for that. And fast forward two years later and there is nothing neutral about his his playroom, but that's okay because I love seeing him that happy. So you just have to put yourself into the mind of the buyer or the target audience who you want, who your product is designed for and get in their head. How do they like to be spoken to? What do they care about? What interests them? You know, because I might be into something that's beautiful and neutral and aesthetic, but my target audience definitely isn't. So I need to get in their head, not in my own head. Yeah, right. And that can be very hard to do sometimes because we are so stuck in our own head. So what are some uh, ways that you allow yourself to get out and really connect to who that person is that you're wanting to serve? I think TikTok has been an amazing tool for getting to know different generations. Yeah. <laughs> And you only have to look at a few videos and you're on that side of TikTok, which is not my side of TikTok. It's like a different, whole different generational side. So that's quite funny when I look at my children because I have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old as well. And when I look at their TikToks, it's totally different. Um, so that's really good for understanding completely different generations yeah. and what they're into. I learned from my 15-year-old daughter that it's not cool to use emojis anymore, <laughs> that no one sends text messages anymore. Like if I'm going to message her, I'd need to do it on Snapchat or I Instagram DMs. Snapchat, that's my little <laughs> brother's like friendship circles. Yeah, and I was into Snapchat, what, five, seven years ago. Yeah. But Snapchat went out the window for me. Yeah. Um, but there's so many things, words that I say, and I used to be the cool mum. <laughs> and she still thinks I'm the cool mum in comparison, but I'm not the cool mum anymore. So you just have to get in their head and find ways to do that. It can be on forums. It can be social media. It can be um, just getting out there and talking to people that you know. You Yeah, don't just go off what you feel and what you love because if your product is not designed for yourself, whole different story if it's designed for yourself. A lot of the brands and products I create, it's because it's something that I personally want. Mm. So then that is so easy to market to because I'm just marketing to myself. Mm. Yeah, and sometimes I think uh, we start in that place where we're marketing to ourselves. Um, But what I see in the coaching space in particular is then when a coach grows, like obviously they're no longer that um, at that point where they had the same struggles and they could still relate, you know, to that first ideal client and they forget to adjust just and instead they start speaking yeah. from a pl- the place that they are now rather than yeah. back to where their ideal client is still at so it's so important to be aware of that or be aware of when you need to adjust your ideal client if you are stepping away from that sort of language and not wanting to be in that place anymore as well so yeah absolutely mm. I mean supple for example supple started as a lot more it was quite a young, youthful, fun brand and it yeah. still is, but I feel like it's maturing and it's growing up a little bit. And obviously yeah. I'm maturing and I'm growing up. So it's only natural that the brand would do that alongside mm-hmm. me. If I wanted to keep it in that really young, youthful space, mm-hmm. back then, it's so funny to say it because I was targeting millennials, but it's not millennials anymore. Now it would be yeah. Gen Z. If I wanted to keep it in that space, I feel like I would need to bring on people on board because at the moment it's mm-hmm. still just me and my brother. And if I wanted to bring people on board, then I would need to bring on Gen Zers to sort of tap into that market. Market they understand yes. the audience better than me. Mm, completely, and I can see in your background you've got some images there. Is this oh images God. of your supple skin coat? Yes, yes, it is. So this is all part of my rebrand. This is the goals for next year, and this is my rebrand. 
and color changes and supple HQ that is going to happen next year. Love it, love it, love it. Well, why don't you tell our listeners about Supple Skin Co, what it is, who it serves, give us the full painting of the product. So if anyone in our audience is aligned with it, um, they can become aware of it. Yeah, sure. So I started Supple Skin Co completely by accident, to be honest. I wasn't intending at all to start a skincare company. I have superfood bars in Brisbane called Coco Bliss. So it's like acai bowls and cold pressed juices, all natural, all that kind of thing, sugar free. So I have these cafes with my best friend and that meant that I had hemp oil at home. Yeah. So I was like, you know, practicing around with different recipes and things. And I've had acne my whole life, really bad acne growing up, was on Roaccutane. Um, it kept coming back all the time. Mm. And then it hit me again that I had clear skin maybe for about five years throughout my early 20s when I had two of my children. And then when I came off the pill after being on it for years and years, it wasn't until about eight months later that my skin went crazy because it takes a while for your hormones to adjust. And there's so much synthetic in a pill that your hormones are just all out of whack. So my hormones were going nuts. I had so many breakouts. I could not get rid of them. And we tried for about two years. Mm. I was going to a skin esthetician every couple of weeks, every two weeks. Um, Sometimes we'd just go under the light and sometimes we'd do other treatments. And I was on this seven-step skincare routine, which at the time I loved. It was so expensive and I could not afford it, but I had to because this is my skin and skin confidence is so important, right? So I was spending all this money and it was getting healthier, but we still couldn't get rid of my breakouts no matter what we did. So I had to, uh, sorry, one night I ran out of my products. I was all panicked because I have very oily skin, very breakout prone around the jaw and chin area. And I had nothing to use. And it's not like you can just go into a shop and buy it. You had to go to to the clinic and buy it from them. So I just did some Googling and I thought, okay, what can I use? I've got, I had coconut oil, I had hemp oil, I had a few different things. Coconut oil is a big no-no for the face. Mm-hmm. I learned that, which I didn't realize. And I'm sure I've slathered that on my face plenty of times, yeah, but right. it clogs your pores very badly. Um, it's amazing for hair and body, but just keep it away from your face. <laughs> and then I looked up hemp oil and I was using this for cooking, but I looked it up and it came up for the skin that it is zero on the comedogenic rating which means whether it will clog your pores or not it will not clog your pores Mm. so I thought okay this is a good start then it started telling me that it will balance oil amazing because I was so oily it would reduce inflammation and breakouts I thought this is incredible I'll use this for the night and I had essential oils because I'd been going through some health issues as well so I knew different oils that did different things and I mixed just a few drops into made up this little concoction I thought this will see me through until two days away when I can get to this Mm. clinic again And I put it on not thinking anything. And I remember waking up the next morning and I've gone to the bathroom like normal and I looked up and brushing my teeth. And then I did a double take like, oh, my God, I've never in my whole adult life, even teenage life, seen my skin and it hasn't been an oil slick. Yeah. It wasn't an oil slick. It was so balanced. (laughs) And I had to look closer and all of my red, I had really raised angry pimples on my jaw, all around my jaw. Mm. They were not red. The redness was completely gone. I mean, 100% gone. I couldn't believe it. And they were so flat on my face. They were so flat on my face. I just remember running to my husband going, oh my God, look at my skin. (laughs) So I tried it for a couple more days. I thought I need to see if this this is actually a thing. And it just continued to calm my inflamed angry skin Mm. a lot of people that are breakout prone I learned along the way is that a lot of the products that they target you Mm. uh, sorry a lot of the products for targeted towards acne prone skin they strip the barrier and they have a lot of acids in them Mm. and it can aggravate your skin more than anything so I wanted to know if it was a fluke I did a call out on my Instagram just amongst friends and people that I knew I need I said I need people to try this And I sent out 30 little samples, like little 10 mil samples that I made up. And everyone, 29 people, so just it was only one person where they were like, I don't think it's quite for me. 29 people said, oh, my God. And this was all different skin types. Some people had eczema, some had psoriasis, some had really dry skin, all different skin types. Everyone said, can I please? And I was like, oh, don't. It's not actually a product I'm selling, but I'll make you some and I'll send you some more. 
And I sent another batch out to those girls. And Pete, they started saying to me, you need to sell this. And I was actually working on another product, which was a hair scrub product. Mm. I had been working on that for about three weeks and I'd had the branding done for it. I had the logo design. I had my packaging in place. And everyone just kept saying, no, I think you need to pivot and do this one. And I was like, you know what? I think you're right. So I was hand bottling it myself at this point and Mm. I built my website over the next couple of days. My brother helped me actually. I wasn't so good at building websites myself at that point. My brother built my website for me over the next few days and we, I started an Instagram page. I told my followers head on over because I'm going to give away, I can't remember if I gave away 50 or 100 free bottles. It might have been 100. And I was like, I'm going to go in big. If I'm giving away these samples for free anyway to 30 people mm. and they're loving it, imagine if I gave 100 bottles to, to Imagine if I gave out 100 bottles, they love it. Imagine the social proof I'm going to have from yes. So I ordered the packaging. I found my manufacturer in China and I've used him for a couple of the businesses. So I just love and adore and trust him. And he had my back and he's like, I've got you, girl. I'm going to send this packaging out quick. <laughs> he knows how I operate by now. Yeah. Um, and so I hand bottled it. I poured 300 bottles and I did a one-week um, hype campaign on yeah. Instagram, telling people about it, telling them the results of those 30 girls that had testimonials from them. Mm-hmm. So I was sharing it and hyping up the 100 free bottle giveaway. Yeah. And what I did was when we launched, I created a discount code where the other, anyone else who missed out on the 100 could get 50% off because while you've already got their attention, mm. you need to draw them in and keep them there. Mm. So I only had, actually, I think it was 400 bottles because I had about 300 that I could actually make money off and the rest was the 100 were free. Mm. So I launched and I just remember watching the website go crazy. Those 100 free bottles sold out within less than 10 minutes. Oh, wow. And then the other 300 bottles all sold out that day as well. So that was amazing. That was a great launch. I was, yeah, I was really pumped by the interest in it, but even more so by everyone's reaction when they tried the product. Yes. Wow. That is so incredible, Candy. Like, honestly, um, the two big takeaways I took from that was the power of social proof. And I love how you were so willing to just get your product out there. It didn't matter if people were necessarily um, paying for it first and foremost, because you knew the value of social proof and how that was ultimately going to be able to create more for you in a shorter span of time. And then the second thing I loved was how you said, once you've got their attention, make sure that you draw them in and incentivize them to take that action so that then they will stay as well. And I think that's something that a lot of people do miss also is yes, they might capture people's attention, but then what are you doing to actually keep those people here, make them stay? And what are you giving them? So then they want to take action with you and come back for more and more and more. So it really sounds like you've mastered so much with marketing. Like I'm in awe of you right now. This is awesome. Oh, thank you. I still feel like I have so much to learn yeah. and there's a lot of gaps. I definitely don't fill every gap, but there's just certain areas that, I think I nail it in these areas and the, the areas I don't know about, mm. I'll hire someone to do that, or which I still haven't okay. done. I still wear all the hats, but that's part of my rebrand structure as well is I'm going to hire the right people yeah. to fill those gaps, to build a really strong brand in every aspect of the business. Mm, I love that. There's, I guess, two things that I do want to touch on with this. So obviously um, in the first six months of this business, it had the major boom at the start. And then you also continued that momentum growing and you got, uh, obviously did over a million dollars in your first year because you hit that 750,000 in the first six months, which is just so insane. So how did you keep that momentum building instead of allowing it to be like a big boom at the start and then fizzle out from there? Yeah, it was so, it was a combination of things really. It was People loved the product. So I had influencers that were genuinely buying the product. They weren't reaching out to me to ask for it free. And I didn't know they had it until they would post it and share it in their stories. Mm. So there were a few influencers that had major following and they had they just loved the product because it helped with their eczema and their breakouts. Yeah. And they would share it. And I was so grateful for that because that's so much social proof. I'm so lucky. I know that that doesn't really happen as much in today's world with with social media everyone wants to be paid and that's understandable that's their job 
Um, so there was that. And then the Daily Mail picked up the story because no one was doing hemp oil. Um, no one was doing hemp oil at all at the time in Australia. Sorry, that's a lie. The body shop was doing it in a very minuscule way, but the hemp oil wasn't their main ingredient at all. It was just in there, I think yeah. more so from a marketing perspective. Um, so I had the first hemp oil product in Australia for skincare. Mm. So, and hemp or, hemp products are just starting to really come to light and gain a lot of media attention. So I was really lucky to get a lot of media attention. I had um, Daily Mail did three articles in that first year, which is amazing, all from different angles. The first one I didn't even know was happening. <laughs> and I just, my phone was going nuts with the cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. I was like, what the hell is happening here? I don't understand. And I couldn't find, I looked on social media, I couldn't find any influencers that yeah. had posted that at that morning. And my brother had a search set up for Supple Skin Co. So you can yeah. set up in Google, you get an alert. And he found the Daily Mail article. Mm. And, yeah, I was so grateful. I emailed the editor to say thank you so much. Mm. And I was so grateful and I wanted to send her a pack as well. And so, yeah, I didn't know about that one. And then the next one, I guess I was in her mind because, you know, like obviously I showed gratitude. I sent her a gift and I just let her know about future plans. And she said, anytime you have new products launching, just send me an email and let me know. So I did that and we had our second one, which I didn't know about, but I didn't, it didn't happen at the time. So just bear in mind, if you ever do have a PR or a media company reach out to you, it doesn't mean it's going to happen there because I was like searching every hour, refresh, refresh. (laughs) And it came out, I think probably three weeks or even a month later. Yeah. But it did come and that gave me a lot of momentum. And for all the hate that Daily Mail gets, there were so many negative comments under the product going, this is a scam, this doesn't work, you don't put oil on your face, all the usual. But I never pay attention to the comments. There's no point reading the comments. You know what your product does. And they always say that any media is exposure for you. So Daily Mail really paid off. Because of the Daily Mail article, that led to – you beauty in london another magazine doing an article Mm -hmm. and it led to three more strangely all uk magazines but they all did articles on supple skin co as well yeah so So the momentum it's just about that momentum and it was the the buzzword and the buzz product so you just have to find that gap i know that it's hard to find something now because everything's done but there's always a gap in there somewhere. You can just do something a different way or target a totally different audience. Yes, completely. Oh, thanks so much for sharing all that with us, Candy. There's so much no value problem. in that, like literally everything you've been sharing with us today. And I want to ask you something because you mentioned you're wearing all the hats in your business. And obviously this is a big business you got going on. Like this is like a little <laughs> business. This is a big business. So how do you actually move through business at this pace that you move whilst also creating that work-life balance? Because obviously you've got your newborn or your young one and your other children as well. So how do you create that balance and still show up at such a high level? Yeah, I think I think I actually have quite good balance these well not right now because I'm in the middle of, you know, I've been building this course. But once it's built, it's built and then yeah. I can relax a bit more and then I only do the live calls. So it has been hectic for the last month, I'm not going to lie. Hence probably why I have no voice as well because I've just been talking so much on these course modules and I've been sick. So it has been a bit tough for the last month, but prior to this, I felt like I had a really good balance so much so that I was able to become a content creator as well. So I was creating user-generated content for other brands and um, getting really stuck into TikTok, getting stuck into my own Instagram again, which I had neglected for years. Yeah, I think that now I obviously have the the two, let me start again. I have the younger one. He's two now, but I also have the older kids. So they're a big help. My husband is a huge help. And I used to work a lot at night, but I'm trying not to do that so much anymore. I think that balance is really important. But I do also think when you're starting a business and you don't have the budget to put into paying 10 other people to do those jobs, you have to put in the work at the start. I know hustle culture can be a bit toxic and I don't think it's it's a good idea long-term. I think you've got to look, so I'm huge on self-love and self-care. You definitely have to take those moments and have that time for yourself. Mm. But I think in the early stages of a business, you just have to be prepared to put in the work so that you can have that balance later. Mm, Completely agree. And when it comes to self-care, then what does that look like for you as a business owner? I I love, I'm obsessed with (laughs) self-care. 
I preach it so much. It's everything. I'm actually leading Supple Skin Co. towards that as a whole as well with my yeah. movement. I feel like self-care and self-love is a brand in itself. That's yeah. something that people need to pay more attention to. Um, it's everything for me. Like the littlest things now make me smile. Yeah. I love making my matcha latte <laughs> and making it look really pretty with my straw and my ice latte. And I just sit there smiling like the biggest dog when I'm pouring my matcha latte. Yeah. Um, I love, it's going to sound crazy, but cleaning for me, which is because of TikTok. TikTok got me into cleaning because I did a cleaning video that went viral. I did a cleaning video and it went viral. And I was like, what? All these people are following now for cleaning and I'm not a cleaner. So then I had to become a cleaning creator and that didn't last long. (laughs) But for a good few months, all of my content was was cleaning videos. But the funny thing is it actually made me really love cleaning. I felt like that was a bit of self-care time for me because I wasn't working. I wasn't concentrating on anything else and I would zone out. I'd put my music or a podcast on and I would clean and the satisfaction you get from something when it's sparkling afterwards felt like self-care, which probably sounds so ridiculous because you're putting in some kind of work, but I really enjoy that. But even just like, you know, laying on the couch because I do, I am go, go, go all the time. Laying on the couch some days, I used to feel, I still do a little bit, but I'm making myself do it sometimes. When the kids are at school or at kindy and it's my work day and I've got a busy schedule, I can actually go, you know what, I'm just going to binge for an hour (laughs) and sit and enjoy my lunch and I'm going to do this. I'm not going to feel guilty about it because it's okay. My list is never going to end. So what's one hour difference going to make? I can you know, see what's super important, get that done. And then I'm going to relax and enjoy my time. So it's things like that. It's, um, I love going and getting a blow dry Mm -hmm. at the hairdressers. I never used to do that. And now it's like one of my favorite things to do, or just going and getting a massage. You just have to do those little things. They don't have to cost money. It's even taking the time to call someone that makes you feel good. Like some, one of your friends that has that really uplifting energy or having a coffee with them. Oh, I love this. Self-care is so important. I love how um, as such a successful business owner, it's something that you put at the top of your priorities list, you know, for every single day. Um, And Candy, we are coming to the end of our episode as well. But before we do wrap up, I've been staring at your vision boards, literally this whole conversation. (laughs) And so I'd love to know, like, what role have vision boards played for you in your journey to building all these incredible businesses that you have built? Yeah, they're amazing. It's incredible when you create one. And I feel like we all know that they work. We're either in one camp or the other. We think they're a load of crap or we think they, we know that they work. And those of us that know they work, sometimes we forget that they work until you look back and find an old one and go, oh my gosh, I literally have done everything on that board. But it's because you've put it in your own mind, Mm. you know, like you're giving yourself direction. And I could say, I want, I want to have a business that's really successful and I want to have a house and I want to have a family and I want to, but when you get more specific about it, you actually know what you're aiming for. So I'm huge on vision boards and I can get really specific now. Like there's, I'm opening a supple HQ next year and I haven't locked anything in yet, but I know I'm doing it. And there's a place that I have my eye on that I've driven there and I've had coffee there and I've, you know, immersed myself in the feeling of it. Yeah. And I just know now after feeling that, that it's happening. Mm -hmm. I think you just need to, it's, yeah, I just feel like it would be like driving to a destination and you haven't, you have no idea, you haven't looked at a map or put it on your nav. You're just driving without thinking. Yeah, I love that. It puts it inside um, your RAS, your reticular activating system. And so you're focusing on it, even if like consciously you're not focusing on it, it's there, it's your awareness. And naturally that's like moving you towards actually attaining it and having it. So I love that. I think you need to actually make the effort to look at it every day as well. Yeah. Because you can put it up and not actually pay any attention to it because you're too busy doing other things. Mm -hmm. So every, and I have almost like a mood board in my phone as well in my notes app, but it's a written one and it's telling me all of the things that are on their way to me. And then I have just a few key pictures that get me in that feeling. Yeah. And I have an alarm set in the morning when I wake up and then just before I know roughly what I'm going to bed Mm. and I'll 
have a look over that and read that and feel that because it does. If you just take a few minutes, I feel like that's a part of self-care for me as well yeah. is just taking five minutes out because I could want to write. I've never been a journaler before, but I've gotten into it lately. And I might go some days, I'm too busy to do that. Yeah. I'm too tired to do that. But I know that if I do it, I'm going to feel so good after mm-hmm. I do. Completely. So you, you just have to do those things that make you feel good and put on your board the things that are going to make you feel good. Absorb that energy. Focus on what you want, right? Exactly. Amazing. 100%. Well, Candy, what's the best place for our listeners to come check you out, follow along, continue to learn from you if they've enjoyed listening to you today and so up all the value you've delivered? <laughs> That's, it's so surreal hearing that because <laughs> I listen to podcasts every day in my daily life and I hear that on other podcasts. It's so funny that I'm saying this now. <laughs> um, okay, so on Instagram, I am Candy Coco Camp, I believe. I don't actually know. Let me check. <laughs> yes, I'm Candy Coco Camp. And I have all of my links in my bio over there, which will just send you that'll send you over to everything. Amazing. And I'll be sure to put all those links into the episode description as well. I love this. You can come back to this recording in like another 10 years time, Candy, when <laughs> Sim- wow, I cannot say my essence today. Supple Skin Co. is a multi-billion dollar company. And you can oh, be like, wow, look at how far I've come with my podcast pitches. Yes, just you watch. I'll be. I'll get better at talking on podcasts as well. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, look, I'll tell you what, we'll have to bring you back on the podcast um, and at that point then as well and we can do a 2.0 <laughs> sounds good thank you so much for having me no worries well something I do ask all of my listeners who oh not my listeners all of my guests on the empower them podcast is what is one final piece of empowering advice you'd love to leave them with today um okay there's a few I'm gonna pick the one that came up for me last night yeah which was it feels impossible until it's done. Mm. People become so overwhelmed with everything and they get scared. And I felt so overwhelmed yesterday. Like I said to you before we started this, how am I going to fit everything in this week? It seems impossible till it's done. So you just work through everything one step at a time. Oh, Candy, you are so incredible. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. No, I, thank you for having me. It's been amazing. It's been such a blast connecting with you. Hopefully our paths cross sometime here on the Gold Coast. If I ever see you at a cafe, yes. I'll be sure to come say hi. A hundred percent. I would love that. Thank you so much. So that's a wrap on another episode of the Empower With Them podcast. If you want more from me, then make sure you come say hi over on Instagram at empowerwithm and let me know your thoughts on this episode. And if you love the podcast, then don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review to help us grow this platform. Now, before you go, I'm going to leave you with one final question to sit with and take action on stepping away from today's episode. How can you go out into the world today and do something small that will empower those around you in some way. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming along and I'll see you next episode.